All right, we're recording. Oh yeah, that looks much better. Yeah, that's uh, I we just were messing with our audio equipment and pushed a button. Why don't you explain this after I do my intro? Okay. Hi everyone, I'm Emily and I'm Vince, <laughs> and this is the Lighthouse Lowdown. <laughs> Are you good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so I, I was setting up the audio here and I pushed a button and I would have said that it sounded like we were inside of a zipper being zipped up <laughs> at a microscopic level. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. And it these wasn't headphones uh, made me feel it. We both like angry faced for a moment. But here we are and we're live. Yeah. We're on couches today. I broke my foot this morning. So we're being very stationary. Casual breaking of the leg, oh, foot, I guess, not leg. And there's no rest for the weary. Uh, I'm not letting anyone down. So here we are. Salty sailor you are. Yeah, I am. I'm tough as nails, I would say. That's right. So we're going to start this episode. Actually, okay, this is a pretty short episode. I'm hoping we have a history buoy and then we have a cool story that we're just going to talk about. I'm psyched. Yeah, Love story cool at a lighthouse. We're not going anywhere from our last episode, um, not too far mm-hmm. away, also in Scotland, run by the Northern Lighthouse Board. We'll be covering a lighthouse that is still over there, still built by the Stevenson family. Okay. It's not Kurt Cutbright? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Stevenson, the two kids built it, this one? No, but it's in the family. I'll okay. say how, I know how they're related. Oh. So. First, we're going to start out with our history buoy, and this one was provided to us by Vincent uh, yesterday <laughs> when I said, tell me a history buoy. You got to give me something. And he chose pets in the lighthouse world, which I didn't think I'd be able to find much on. I've seen stories of pets, but I didn't mm-hmm. think I could find information on it. There's a woman that works for the US LHS, yeah. and she wrote a, an entire 400-page book about pets in the lighthouse. Since this is a history view, I did not purchase the book, <laughs> but there is an opportunity for me to do Lighthouse Pets as an episode someday. I'm sorry. Did you say 400 pages? Yeah. She is not messing. She said there's like stories about alligators being pets and <laughs> okay. training dogs to like do chores around the lighthouse yeah. and all of that. The alligators got to be Florida man lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. But so we'll just do a short little snippet on it. Uh, so first thing to remember is that most pets on keeper grounds are there for a purpose. They already have so much work to do and no time always for working hard. Yeah, they they already have families and they work at all hours, at any hours. And so mm. it's kind of hard to sign up for having something that's completely dependent on you besides your own children. Yeah, you know? gross. <laughs> <laughs> but cats were actually frequently kept on lighthouse grounds, obviously, to take care of rodents and birds because there's lots of bird activity and they mess up your stuff along with rats. Be busy cats. Yeah. The reason for this is mostly cats were independent and fed themselves and also stayed out of trouble. So they were good picks for lighthouse animal companions. Mm-hmm. Unless we're talking about the cat that ended up in the oil bin, <laughs> then maybe not maybe. so. He not dedicated so himself, dedicated himself to his work. <laughs> Some cats were kept just as pets, though. Not all Workers. of them were adopted just for, yeah, just for being a part of the lighthouse labor crew. There are some pets that were kept just for the children to be close to or because they, yeah. you know. What else are they going to do in a lighthouse? Yeah. 
So an example is Smokey, which is a black cat that was at St. Augustine Lighthouse. There's some stories about how the keeper's son threw it off the very top of the lighthouse with a parachute and the parachute opened and landed he landed okay oh. but then he disappeared for two months and then came back like <laughs> he didn't like being thrown with a parachute yeah. that's so crazy two months is a long time to hold a grudge though that's like a new record for, for a cat cats. that's yeah, a long time i mean Bo will hold a grudge for maybe two days if i go out of town for a long time mm-hmm. yeah well we two never would be a we haven't tried throwing him from a high altitude yeah, yet so. that's true <laughs> that might be a two month <laughs> we've got that going for us Uh, Another example is a black and white cat from Hatteras Lighthouse that washed up with a shipwreck and was adopted by the keeper there at the time. That's cool. And actually, this cat still resides there today as a ghost cat. And people actually have stories about this cat rubbing up against their legs and they pet it and everything. And then they see a picture of it as like, have you seen this cat around? Like an old picture of the cat and been like, you've seen this cat around. You've been interacting with a ghost. What? What's its name? (laughs) I don't know. Hatteras is uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina Outer Banks. Yeah. Okay. Cows, chickens, and goats were also common on lighthouse grounds for meat, cheese, butter, and eggs, but were frequently adopted as pets if they were cared for long enough, obviously. You can yeah. fall in love with your cows. <laughs> oh, we've done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, there wouldn't be a lot of them. It's not like you'd have a ranch around your lighthouse grounds. Right. You'd just have a couple, so you'd name them and they'd be your babies. Dogs were kept mostly after shipwrecks because mm-hmm. ships more often than not had dogs on them. I, I'm not sure the reason for I'm that. I'm curious about that. Lots of stories about dogs uh, coming up after shipwrecks, such as in the case of the Lupatia shipwreck on Tillamook Rock, which we covered but did not post. Terrible Tilly. Where a shepherd dog was the only survivor of the shipwreck and took up residence on the rock. Keepers preferred shepherding dogs, or at least dogs that were large and easily trained and mm. really loyal. Good um, dogs, you mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you dissing small dogs? Yes. Say it on the... Whoa. Shade all over the small dogs. <laughs> all right. Your opinion's out there. <laughs> dogs were frequently trained to set off foghorns, steer children, and even save people that were drowning offshore. I'm sorry. I was taking a drink. You said dogs were frequently trained to set off foghorns? Yeah. Save or people least... offshore. And what was the other item? Steer children. Steer children. <laughs> I, I love this. I read it was like one of the things. Keepers just inevitably had a lot of kids. I don't really know. And they're raising children on an island or at least somewhere high up with cliffs or raging waves, a lighthouse tower that's really, really tall. And the dogs are kind of like nannies, like in Peter Pan. I love that. I love that. Keepers were also known to have parrots, rabbits, horses, or even a deer named Oscarina at the Canna Island lighthouse. Hmm. It was originally named Oscar until they figured out that it was a girl. I was like, it's a deer. How can you not know? Uh, <laughs> they have horns. How did they find or out? Antlers. <laughs> That's the real question. Did a deep dive search. I think it was a vet visit. And they were like, this is a girl. I mean, A vet to check in on their pet deer? They were like, oh, the, he never grew horns That's or antlers. That's too bad. It's like, or maybe it's because it can't and it's a woman. <laughs> it's not... Okay, yes. Are you going to diss my use of the word woman? No, I'm just going to continue on. (laughs) That just came out. It's not going to canceled yet. All right. Okay, that's my history movie. (laughs) I like that. That's good. I would like to hear some more. Yeah, maybe I'll do an episode. It's kind of fun. Specifically dogs. Okay, well, I'm not going to be doing that for you. Yeah, cats are much better than dogs, aren't they? Mm. No. They each have their own things. Mm -hmm. 
So today we're going to be talking about Flynn and Isle Lighthouse and the Flynn and Isle mystery. Oh, Flynn. Yeah, I hinted in the last episode that we'd be talking about keepers that go missing. Mm. And here we have it. And we're going to go ahead and go with the history. The Flannet Isles is a small island group in the outer Hebrides of Scotland. Hebrides? Of Hebrides? I, no I just forgot to look up. Uh, yeah. The lighthouse is 75 feet tall on a 256 feet summit oh, wow. on the island. Okay. Which is the tallest point on that little collection of islands. It's a cylindrical white tower with a black lantern room and ochre trim, which is very similar to the look of Little Ross. So the pictures will be... Lots of ochre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got the same decor happening. And it's got a one-story keeper's house attached to it. The first application for a lighthouse in this area was in 1853, which is pretty early, but still later than Little Ross. It started to become an important landfall for Atlantic shipping, which is why it was first mentioned that they needed a lighthouse. But they didn't have one built until 1895 is when they started construction. Mm. And then 1899 is when they finished construction. The islands, Flannel Isles, is also known as the Seven Hunters. And it has three main groups. The northeast consisting of Big Isle, which is 43 acres and has the tallest point on all the islands at 289 feet. And House Isle. And then the south is Eastward Isle. West is Isle of the Blacksmith and Sad Sunk Rock. (laughs) Just fun names for now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, is they have Scottish names, you know, ones that I was like, I'm not looking up how to pronounce every single one of these. Yeah. But they had, in parentheses, their more English terms, and Isle of the Blacksmith is a wicked name, and Sad Sunk Rock is just funny. (laughs) The lighthouse was to be built on Big Isle, because it had the tallest point. This lighthouse was designed by David Allen Stevenson. David is the nephew of Thomas Stevenson, who oversaw construction of Little Ross Lighthouse from the last episode. He's okay, nephew. Yeah. Yeah. So it's his uncle. Tom, Thomas is his uncle. Wait, Thomas was the one who actually did the construction, or the one whose name was on the plate? No, Thomas is the one that oversaw it. He's the one that sent letters back and forth that I read excerpts from. His dad is Robert, who was on the plaque. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm assuming because Alan's the middle name that. Because Thomas is the uncle, this is Alan's son, but it wasn't directly said. Hmm. The lighthouse cost 1,899 pounds to build, which is pretty cheap. And this covered the tower, landing areas, stairs, and the railway tracks, which is kind of a fun thing. What were those for? The railway tracks were built to transport supplies and paraffin. in which, uh, No, oil. Sorry. And this lighthouse needed 20 barrels of oil a year. Which is a lot. I don't know the reason why it was so inefficient, but... (laughs) They kept it on high, high. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we need full power at all times. They needed to get it up the super steep cliffs that go to the lighthouse all the way at the summit. And the cliff to overcome were like 150 feet high. So they built little railway tracks. And the tracks worked by a steam engine in a shed that's next to the lighthouse. The, and the tracks would curve around the island and split it to access both east and west landing. So I talk about them both in this episode, but it's just okay. different sides of the island where yeah. you can reload the tracks your run ship. Above. Yeah. yeah, that's the, really cool. The split that headed to the east and west landing was called Clapham Junction. Clapham. Crap. <laughs> I have no idea. Clapham I, Junction. I clap. like the name of it. It's a joke in reference to a railway junction that's in London, like 
a high traffic railway junction. But what's the point if I don't know how to pronounce it correctly? Clap them. A cable and pulleys brought a four-wheeled bogey, which is just like a little... It's like a buggy? It's kind of like... Let me see if I can think of something. Um, in Harry Potter, when they're going around in the bank in that uh-huh. little that's yeah. what it looks like <laughs> but it was less magical probably yeah and it wasn't running by itself it was running by a pulley system of course <laughs> but yeah they would load this bogey full of cargo and it would use the little steam engine to haul it up to the lighthouse so that didn't know. have a name by chance did it what that whole system uh not that i know of. oh it should have definitely should have <laughs> missed opportunity beautiful yeah, I'll post a picture of it. I have a picture of what it looks like today. So it doesn't have the pulley system attached yep. anymore, but the railway is just like a little bit on grown the, over on the island. On the Instagram? The railway? Yes, okay. I'll post it cool. on Instagram at the Lighthouse Lowdown. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. You'll want to see it. It's all super cool. So join today. Almost 4,000 pounds were spent on making a shore station at... Nah, I didn't look this up either. Can I have your phone? Yeah, I don't have it though. Oh, it's in my pocket. Because you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. Thank you. Briefs cleat. Breeze cleat. Of course. Okay. So thank you. Uh, and breeze cleat was what? Sorry. So they spent four thousand pounds making a shore station on Breeze Cleat, twenty miles away. That's uh, where the keepers' families lived. Oh. So this. Lighthouse I'm talking about is technically a stag station, and you weren't allowed to have any families on it. So they lived Why? 20 miles away. Just not enough space, dangerous area. Okay. Um, so hard to get supplies out there that they're not going to supply enough food and stuff for an entire what? I yeah. mean, we talked about they're on the last lighthouse. 200 pounds of bacon. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to our episode on Point Lookout. Yeah, they're not going to supply supplies for that many people. So yeah. They make it a stag station. So, so there's one person or just stag station, right? Yeah. Just the men running it. And then 20 miles away by sea is the family. That's or, a no, long by way. By distance. But yeah, you'd have to get there by lighthouse tender. Long way. Yeah, it's a bummer. They don't see him very much. The lighthouse was first lit on December 7th, 1899 with a third order clamshell frenal, which I haven't really talked about. And I will post a picture of it on the Instagram, but I didn't look at it. I know what it looks like, but I wouldn't be able to describe it. It looks Uh, like a clamshell. The glass does? Yeah. The glass is a clamshell that surrounds the lamp. Fancy. I don't know if there's multiple of them or it's still frenal. So it's got to be made of multiple glass prisms that direct the light correctly hmm. so i'll post a picture you can see it for yourself the light at the lighthouse lowdown in case you didn't pick it up the first time anyway the characteristic was a flashing white twice in a 30 second period with 17 nautical mile range which is 20 okay. miles regular yeah do you i don't know the difference i know there is a difference i don't know the difference we can talk about it in our next history buoy. Thank you for supplying that. Right, there you go. <laughs> That'll be it. It'll be a good short one. Moving on. This lighthouse was automated in September 28th, 1971. So almost 100 years. Long time. And a helipad was also built on the island at this time. That's so cool. So they wouldn't have to use the east and west landing. And this is when they stopped using those railway tracks. It was really hard to land trains on the island a bit. <laughs> good one. Thank you. There would be very little to report on this lighthouse, if not for the mystery that unfolded the year after its first lighting, which is what we're going to talk about, the Flannel Isle mystery. It was lit in 1848? 1848? 1899. It was, so pretty okay. late. 
It was requested in the 40s. Yes. Okay. So the first light keepers at Flannan Isle were a principal keeper, James Ducat, and three assistants, William Ross, Thomas Marshall, and Joseph Moore. There was also an occasional keeper, but in quotes, so that's like his actual name was occasional keeper. <laughs> I thought they would go ahead and use relief keeper, but maybe he was... Only on occasion he was relieving. Yeah, like like extra not part-time. He's <laughs> just a dude who lives nearby. He's like, yeah, I'll He's come like, watch yeah, it. Whatever. So he lived near the shore station in case he needed to sub in, but I'm assuming he wasn't built into the schedule. It was just like, hey, I want to go on vacation or I right. want to go see my family, so can you come? Somebody falls ill or something. Yeah. yeah. There was no radio communication at the lighthouse until 1925, and this was actually one of the first Scottish lighthouses to do so. Hmm. So Roderick... Mackenzie was paid as an observer on Gallon Head on Lewis, or Isle of Lewis, 21 miles away from the lighthouse. And he was to report to Edinburgh if the lighthouse light was not on or if he saw distress signals from the lighthouse. So he was just paid to look out every once in a while to see if everything was working correctly. Occasionally check in. What's his name again? Roderick Mackenzie. Cool name. That is pretty cool. On the 15th of December in 1900, the steamer Arctur passed the Flannins and noted the light was out. And he reported this in the town Oban whenever he came in or brought his ship in. On the 20th of December was relief day for the keepers, but a series of storms meant the lighthouse tender Hesperus couldn't come until the 26th. So Ugh. they noticed the light was out on the 15th, but couldn't Whoa. get out there until the 26th. So it's 11 days later. And this is around Christmas time. I'm wondering if that's a coincidence that they... Didn't get a tender out there. Yeah. Busy spending time with their families. Selfish. (laughs) The Hesperus anchored off the east landing and immediately noticed that there were no keepers, no flags flying, and no boxes loaded on the landing, which normally they would have everything loaded, ready to go for anything that needed to come off the island, including keepers and their, their stuff. Yeah. And there was none of that. So the relief keeper, Joseph Moore, left the boat to investigate and found that the lighthouse door was ajar. Inside, he found the kitchen clock had stopped. The kitchen door was open. There was an unlit fire ready to be lit, an overturned chair, and the dinner table was set as if they were just about to eat. (laughs) The clock was manually wound. Yes. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. But it sounds creepy when I say it. Yeah, it does. The Hesperus returned to Brescleet. I can't remember how to say it again. Mm-hmm. Breastcleat. To send an urgent message to the Northern Lighthouse Board about the missing keepers because they were nowhere to be found. And they said, quote, a dreadful accident has happened at the Flannins. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. They said the clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane remember that they said that because now joseph stayed behind to investigate after they had sent that message and the last entry into the logbook uh, at the lighthouse was on december 13th with notes set up for an entry on the 14th and 15th reporting poor weather conditions so they didn't put an official note into the logbook but they had notes that they were going to put like at the end of the day their mm. log entry, what what was going to be included they had like a temporary notepad that yeah. had like here's just jot know. stuff okay. down interesting so they were still there on the 14th and the 15th. And the 15th is when they noticed the light was out. Yeah. So it had to have been... Urgent or sudden. Uh, yeah. yeah, sometime before um, nighttime on the 15th that they went missing. Joseph also noticed the eastern landing had not been disturbed from the previous relief period uh, before this. 
but the western landing had been damaged with iron railings bent, a stone wing over a ton had been moved, and wood pieces were everywhere. And their bodies were never found. So, of course, lots of speculation has gone around about what happened to the keepers. And these speculations range from murder, abduction by giant seabird, <sighs> eaten by sea serpents, etc. There's no aliens? I'm sure that's also around. <sighs> I just put a couple down. Gotcha. So what's interesting is that Joseph did not make note of the damage to the crane or the storm notes until after the tender had sent the telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board. They said, poor fellows must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane. What a weird thing to say if you didn't see the damage yet. A crane as in a hoisting crane? Yeah, for taking supplies off the ship, which there's two landings and they were at the other one. Island, west, and east landings. Yeah. Which one had the gear to go? Neither of them? Neither. So they never packed to leave? Yeah. And which one did they, was damaged? West landing. And which one did the boat arrive to? East landing, yeah. And the damage was to the west landing. The crane was damaged. Why would they be using the crane? They, they wouldn't. What I'm saying is it's strange for someone who stayed on the ship or stayed on the tender to send note to the Northern Lighthouse Board that like, oh, they must have been trying to fix a crane or like something, even though they didn't see any damage to a crane and they didn't see any storm damage because the East Landing had looked exactly as it was. Oh, the tender man didn't see any of those? Yeah, he's the one that sent the message. I see. I thought he looked over the whole island and saw the damage. No, Joseph is the one that got off and actually went and took note. Hard to follow. Gotcha. Many speculate that the team staged the damage to hide what really happened on the island, whatever that is. Team? Northern Lighthouse Board. People on the ship. The Northern Lighthouse Board runs the tender? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, they report back to the Northern Lighthouse Board. They're not bought by, but they have contract with Northern Lighthouse Board to take care of keepers. Gotcha. The Northern Lighthouse Board did an investigation on the 29th of December, which is shortly after this was all discovered, noted from the clothes that were missing that two keepers had been out in the storm in appropriate gear and that MacArthur had run out into the storm in his shirt sleeves. So he hadn't been wearing his oil skin, which is what they wore out in the rain when it was storming. The investigator states that what happened was, uh, quote, From evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up until dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc. were kept, and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level, and that an extra large sea had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them, and coming down with immense force had swept them completely away. What? End quote. <laughs> yeah, due to evidence that I was able to collect. Yeah. No. I, due to this evidence, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> it's like that you found... Well, he didn't even say anything about anything. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's a, he, so the like, box that must have been there, yeah. that must have been full of this particular gear, and they must have all been in that one spot when the waves went above them and swept them out. And then pulverize them to where there's no evidence of any of this. Yeah. And plus, like, they're like, oh, they were trying to secure this box. It's like. It's very particular. It's very particular. Yeah. It just seems fishy. To cover up. Yeah. So as far as the public was concerned, this was not the end of the story. Oh, they didn't buy it. No. Wow. So later, the logbook entries were said to contain notes on the 12th that a storm unlike anything they had ever seen was coming. 
and then notes on the 13th and 14th that they were in the eye of the storm and were like praying for mercy Whoa. from God. And on the 15th, a log was done that the storm had passed and all was now calm. What? On the 15th. This was in the notes. Yeah. So if and anyone had died or if anyone had been swept away or there was damage or anything. Especially all three of them. Yeah. And if they were swept to sea, how would anyone have been making a note? There's no way. If, I, I mean, if one or two of them were swept away and the third one was there and then they committed suicide or, or maybe he was going go to go to land and, and, and tell everybody what happened and he died on accident loading his boat. Or, yeah. But this is, it's too, there's too many gaps here. This right. is crazy. One theory is based around MacArthur, who was known to be ill-tempered and quick to settle things with his fists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keepers trapped in confined space are like bound to rub off on each other uh, and, or like rub each other the wrong way. Cats in a bag. Yeah. yeah, they're in a confined space, you know. So the first idea is that he may have started a fight on the Western landing that led to all three falling to their deaths, which is just stupid because it's, it's like you mentioned it's on the Western landing because there was damage. We're talking about a stone that was a ton being moved. And it's like, yeah, they were fighting so hard that they ran against this rock. And <laughs> like, yeah. What? He stubbed his toe with a thousand ton rock. <laughs> stubbed his toe. The power of a thousand tigers. Yeah. The second is that he murdered the other two keepers and ditched their bodies into the sea and then threw himself off of a cliff. But For style points or... Yeah, he did a swan dive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, without crime scenes or evidence to investigate, this is, of course, just speculation. speculation. People liked to think that something wild happened, you know, like murder and suicide and like make it gory Aliens. make it crazy but it's sasquatch we just don't really know mermaids oh no i forgot to look this up many locals blamed the phantom of the seven hunters <gasps> like it's a ghost ship that is oh, like local cool. lore but i i meant to look that up and i didn't it's kind of a bummer maybe our next uh buoy could or, be or i'll just a make a note yeah just be like hey, the phantom of the phantom. seven hunters and the seven it's, hunters it's the, style the aisle yeah. right yeah there were suggestions that they had arranged for a ship to secretly take them away to start new lives which Down is to just jamaica absolutely dumb because they have families like it just doesn't make sense they're chilling with tupac <laughs> Keepers were family men, so like, don't try and tell me that lie. Well, to find, <laughs> I mean, I get one guy running away from a story we don't Maybe, know, yeah, but all of them, yeah, one guy they named, made a pact, one guy a bro named pact. occasional. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm called the occasional. <laughs> uh, they also have suspicions that they were abducted by foreign spies, and but I that's like like English. I guess they're in Scotland. Like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Irish got him. A more plausible idea is that Marshall and Ducat were swept away while trying to secure equipment on the West Landing, and MacArthur ran out when his colleagues failed to return and succumbed to the storm himself. So this is something yeah. that a lot of people... T still, like, the notes from the 15th kind of make it shady. A lot of people are asking, like, why would they go out to the storm if it was so horrible? Yeah. And the answer is that Marshall had been fined five shillings in the last storm for losing equipment, which, like... Give him a break, man. He's not doing it on purpose. It's a storm at a lighthouse. Yeah. At this time, five shillings is no joke because that's the same amount as 2,000 pounds today or close to 2,500 US dollars. Dang. Yeah, that's a lot of cash. That's a lot, especially when he has a wife and two kids back on the little shore station. So it, it makes sense that in this moment, 
he would kind of forego to. his own personal safety just to try and secure this stuff. That's not good management. Mm-hmm. I know. I wonder like, oh. what the cost of the materials he lost is. I mean, there's more costs, but yeah. you know, shipping and, and what is it actually worth? And also, was it something they really needed to survive or yeah. was it <laughs> extra tie downs? Yeah. They could have, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, the truth is, we're never going to know what really happened. I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> so this story has inspired many ballads, songs, and movies. And uh, I listed a couple of them. The 1912 ballad Flannel Isle by Wilfred Wilson Gibson. <laughs> That's a hell of a name. Fictional use in Doctor Who. There's also It was also an inspiration for composer Peter Davies' modern opera, The Lighthouse. British rock group Genesis wrote The Mystery of Flannel Isle Lighthouse in 1968. That's the title of a song? I guess so. Rock and roll, baby. 2018 film The Vanishing was based on this story. And Emma Stonix's 2021 novel The Lamplighters was also based on this. 2021 The Lamplighters? Yeah. I was going to look up 2018. Hold on one second. 2018 The Vanishing. Yeah, it might be a cool watch. Okay, it's got three out of five stars. Yeah, it's not great. 5.9 out of 10. This guy's got a cool beard, though. Oh. Rated R. What? Hour and 47 minutes. Oh, they're going to do a murderous murderous type. Three lighthouse keepers on the remote Flannan Isles find a hidden trunk of gold. What? Leading to their mysterious disappearance. What? I should throw that in there. We have a new speculation listed that they found cursed treasure. Hey, maybe that's what brought along the Phantom of the Seven Hunters. Oh my God. It's got Gerard Butler. No way. Yeah, as James. <laughs> as James. <laughs> also, Peter Mullen, who I recognize. That's pretty good. I don't recognize anybody else. Must have had a good budget. Wild. Yeah, they had Gladiator in there. That's crazy. <laughs> I think about him as uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Seven Hunters, you know, there's kind of an overlap. Okay, straight, (laughs) straight line between those things. But that's what I have on the Flannel Isle Mystery. We'll never know what went down, but what we do know is that three men probably lost their lives in this occasion. It's a sad thing. Um, The Northern Lighthouse Board does not cover any of speculation about what actually happens. They say out of respect for the three keepers that obviously, like... They're gone. They never came back to their families. Never. Yeah. You think they're, what do you think? I don't know. I I wonder if the entry after the storm wasn't falsified and, and entered by the guy who would discover that they weren't There's there. There's a chance. Yeah. That it was either just conjured up by the media over time. You know, that they're, they want to juice oh, your it story. It could have been a rumor. Right. I mean, so yeah. they make it up or um, that it was written in later. This is in year 1900? Uh, 1900, yeah. Yeah. Wow. December. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, that film might be worth watching. Well, I know, I'm kind of interested. We'll think about it. We're like, oh, Gerald Butler, that's nice. Gerald Butler. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure he's been in a mixed media of quality right. films. There's probably just tons of movies we'd never heard of before. I saw a photo of him uh, quite heavy. Oh, no. Uh, I think On purpose for something? I don't know. <laughs> I think the comment was like, once gladiator, oh. always wealthy. <laughs> something like that. Dissing him. Uh, yeah, he's like, I, I did my thing. Yeah. I was in shape. I don't know. But, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. This is really interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. It's kind of, it's hard to... 
never know. But how far do you know? How far between Kurt Kubri and the Seven Hunters? Just for curiosity's sake. Oh, it's only a nine-hour drive. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Surprised you can drive there. The Isle of Man. Wait, 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 wait. Look at yes. Wait, Kurt Kubri is on the Isle of Man. Oh, the Isle of Man's down south. Yeah. So the Isle of Man, fun fact, has a race. I believe it's on an annual basis. Yeah. That fills the area. No way. Overwhelms the Wait, area. What kind of race? A motorcycle race. Oh no. The, the Isle <laughs> of Man. There might be multiple That's races, why you know. but the one that I've heard of, I think it's the Isle of Man TT. And I'm not huge into racing. Um, I just think it's cool. But the, uh, I'm pretty sure. God, I got I got to research now. I'm pretty sure it's a motorcycle race, and they're doing you know 200 miles an hour. Like it's oh my gosh. incredibly fast, uh, very dangerous race. But is it a big thing famous. worldwide or just in the UK? Very much worldwide. Like oh. people will say, oh, the Isle of Man. Like they're referring to not the place, but the the race. It's Neat. it's something. Yeah, I, my confidence just dipped. Oh no, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to look into it, but. Uh, well, everyone's going to know if you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Isle of Man Motorcycle Race. Yeah, you're right. Isle of Man TT, or Tourist Trophy Races, are an annual motorcycle racing event run on the Isle of Man in May, June, uh, most years since its inaugural race in 1907. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Scott and I, uh, my brother and I, were in Ireland in june of 2019 and we're like yeah oh the isle of man is is coming up it'd be cool to just bounce over you know take a flight over spend a day and it was not possible just like a madhouse of people it's it's yeah wow huge draw yeah the first picture that showed up was a guy that was going so fast over a hill that he's airborne yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty cool well neat that's funny that a little sidetrack yeah but anyway, that's what I've got. Uh, we're going to be posting this just before we go to North Carolina. Hopefully, we'll <laughs> still have some good <laughs> stories to write about. Maybe you can climb the lighthouse without me. Oh, I can't do that to you. <laughs> I, w- I just want to live vicariously through you. Oh. Yeah, but we'll, we'll keep everyone updated. Get some more info. Yeah. I say. <laughs> no, not that yet. <laughs> well, anyway, follow us on Instagram at the lighthouse lowdown where we'll be posting pictures from this episode and any episode we do. You can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast, and these are listed on our our website, podpage.com slash the lighthouse lowdown. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the lighthouse lowdown. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we have something to say. Bye.